1: Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got a great show lined up for you. Tony has uh, sparked out on a project at his house, and uh, he's he's coming to me for help.
2: Yeah, that's coming to us. Yeah, well, I know that you have a lot of experience uh, in this area, being a woodworker or a a craftsman, if you will, and so, so I have this desire... So it's kind of a it's kind of a New year's resolution really a 2017 resolution yeah, that's right <laughs> uh, in 2019 my New year's resolution is to complete my 2018 New Year's resolution yeah, you texted that to me a few weeks ago all, all previous all previous year's resolutions are all fair game <laughs> uh, here in 2019 um, but anyways uh, yeah so my intention this year Corey as as you know because we've been talking about this is and is how this show was born. Um, my intention is to utilize my storage shed that I have it on my property. It's a 12 by 16. It's got a really nice six foot roll up door in the front, so it's easy to get big materials in and out. I want to I want to utilize that less as a storage facility and more, of course, as a workshop, as a wood shop. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you need that because my garage space as your workshop yeah. is getting old. It's so true. and uh, utilizing your time for my woodworking projects, I know, I know and <laughs> it feels like the last few projects you did were mine. the
1: la- yeah, yeah, absolutely I mean, the
2: last several. We've taken on some big ones. Uh, but yeah, so so I need some help in this area. there's there's a lot of things that go into the decision making process when it comes to setting up a wood shop, right in, in my opinion. The first of which is, hey is 12 by 16 big enough? I mean, can I feasibly actually have a working wood shop in a twelve by sixteen building? I it's, don't know. It would, it's going to be tight, but absolutely you can. I mean, your garage currently acts as your wood shop, and it's about twenty by twenty-two probably.
1: Well, I mean, yes and no. It's twenty by twenty-two, but it's got a lot of shelving and a lot of stuff in there that is immovable. Yeah. So I mean, really, if you took that space and cut it down, it's probably, you know, not much bigger than that
2: space. Yeah. 12 by 20. I'll tell you what, we've never wanted for more space when we've been doing a wood project in your garage. So if that, if we feel like it's going to be moderately compatible, I think I'm going to have everything I need. Well, and here's the thing. You have a big, how wide is the
1: door there? Six foot. So you've got a six foot roll up door. Yep. That, I mean, if you had to and you needed to more space, you could roll out into
2: the driveway because you have a really large concrete pad right there. That's right. I do i um, yeah. I could. You're saying I could roll some of my tools out into that open space during the summer months. Absolutely. When it's uh, nice and and uh, clear days outside, yeah. Or but, if it's crappy outside, you just put a you know pop up tent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If I had to, you're right. I do have that big space. I can move stuff. But I want to focus on organizing my shop right in such a way that I can be work efficiently in there. And uh, and I know that from the woodworking that I've done in my garage, man, I create a lot of dust and I end up getting dust on literally everything I own. You know, Tony, I can help you out with that. I have a
1: big dust problem in my garage because not only is it my workshop or my wood shop, it's also my garage where my wife pikes parks the car and then our storage for all the camping and christmas stuff so when that thing gets filled with dust it just creates a huge problem yeah but i'll tell you i've what. got a couple solutions for you
2: i'll tell you what i've seen the amount of dust created in your garage <laughs> that is that is to say the amount of dust that's not managed you actually manage dust in your garage pretty well. I try to. I, in in my garage, have zero dust management system at all. So it literally falls from the wood and from the tool into a pile, and, it's, and it just covers everything.
1: Well, and honestly, proper dust collection is very important. I mean, it's, it's very important. Yeah. Because not only is it bad for your health, having all of that dust in the air, breathing it in all the time... It's not good for you and after years of woodworking out in my garage i have to wear a dust mask or have really good dust collection going all the time because my lungs just fill up really quickly
2: yeah and on top i start wheezing on top of that my shop space is pretty small i mean there's not uh you know there's not shelving and stuff for the dust to collect on it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be in the air it'll and I'm going to be breathing it. Yeah, for it'll sure. be in your face. So, you know, as far as, um, as far as having a list of priorities, right. To outfit the, the workshop workshop essentials, really, uh, we could be talking about right at the top of the list is going to be a dust collection system. And I don't know what that means entirely. I know that you can craft something out of parts and pieces that you have by, you know, sort of, um, Rigging up your shop vac and making it work in such a way, or of course buying a you know a full blown dust collection system, which you know can be super expensive. Well, it can. I mean, it, there's ways to do it that are pretty
1: inexpensive using the shop vac that you have. If you have a decent sized shop vac, you know five or six amp, uh, you're you're probably okay. I mean, that's what I use as a shop vac. That I plug in and, I mean, you've seen it.
2: Yeah, with other things. I
1: do have some other things that withdraw uh, dust particles out of the air. Right. And we can make you one of those. I mean, you've seen the one that I have. Yeah. It's pretty basic. It uses, uh, it's a plywood box uh, with an air mover on the inside and two filters on either side of it. So it draws air in one side and blows it out the other. And it just uses replaceable furnace filters. Interesting. I mean, it's super cheap to make and super easy to maintain. So we could make you one of those. I mean, and right down to putting a fan in the door. I mean, I've used a box fan before and just put it in the door so it draws out uh, dust as you're working. Uh, The other thing that I've used is, and I wanna actually build one of these and maybe that we should do that as a video project. Oh yeah. I wanna build a downdraft sanding table. And if you know what that is, Fantastic. I've got a way to make one super cheap using pegboard. Oh, so essentially what you do is you you build a box, just a you know, a plywood box and put the top in there using uh pegboard. And then uh, your shop vac connects to the side of it and then, and that goes down to your shop vac. So as it draws air, it sucks it down and then as you're sanding, all it gets it's kind of a downdraft they call it, it gets sucked down yeah. and then
2: Drawn away, so sanding is a big deal, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's uh, I agree with that, and you know, that 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 leads into you know the tools that are going to be required or or the essential tools that you know you really need to have in a wood shop. I've got some pretty great tools, I feel like, um, but there's certainly more. I mean, every time I borrow a tool from you because you have everything, I realize here's another tool that I should own and should have in my woodshop. Absolutely. And so I've got a pretty good list. I, I think that we should, for today's show, we should uh, talk about some of these things, how to organize the woodshed or wood shop right woodshed take you to the woodshed <laughs> and and essential tools that, that we need to have in there that's that's what i think we should be talking about uh on today's show let's do it okay we got to take a quick break when we come back more woodshop essentials you're listening to tony and Corey, your weekend warriors and we'll be right back Being a homeowner in today's market isn't easy. With families hanging on to their homes longer, energy efficiency and long-term quality have become top priorities. Future generations will benefit from the choices you make today. Make the right choice. Invest in your family's future with Plygem Windows, available at area Par Lumber locations. You'll enjoy designer, low-maintenance windows at a price that won't jeopardize the kids' college fund. They're approved by the National Association of Home Builders and ENERGY STAR certified.
3: So why do people shop at PAR? Because we know that people who want to build need selection, competitive pricing, on-time delivery, and real experts who really know how to give expert advice. Just ask Shana.
1: We help design projects all the time. Let's take a look at your plans. That's why people shop at PAR. If you've got a project you need help with, visit any one of our PAR locations across the Pacific Northwest. To find a location near you, visit parr.com.
4: For a look that reflects your style, choose Marvin Windows & Doors. They'll enhance the essence of a room and the character of a home. Beautifully crafted with the most extensive selection of customizable options, it's easy to complement your vision. Marvin Windows & Doors are sold only at independent dealers who understand your home is more than your address. It's a feeling you create in a place that holds your dreams. Marvin Windows & Doors built around you.
5: Find exceptional service and inspiration at Parr Design Center, your local Marvin dealer. Start your project with a trip to their Aloha location where Parr Design Center's experts can help you find easy and stylish replacement solutions for your next remodeling project. Family owned and operated since 1930. Go where the builders go. Par Design Center. Call Par Design Center at 503 614 2655 or visit online at par.com. That's P A R R.com. Trex is
1: the world's number one
2: decking brand and the inventor of wood alternative composite decking. Trex is committed to helping you create a low-maintenance backyard retreat that can handle the outdoors without depleting them and will do so for decades because your weekends should be spent relaxing on your deck, not repairing it. Choose from four distinct collections in 21 colors to meet any design aesthetic
1: on any budget with the comfort of a 25-year fade and stain warranty. Trex, outdoor living elevated. Visit trex.com for more. When you want to enhance your home's curb appeal with
2: the look of real wood, choose real wood, like Shakertown Cedar Siding. The genuine natural color and grain of Shakertown products offers a great cedar siding solution for your project, adding dimension and drama to your home's exterior. Whether you
1: select individual sidewall shakes, pre manufactured Craftsman shingle panels, or pre primed Cedar Cove shingle panels, your cedar siding will stand the test of time, outlasting building trends and its competition.
2: Made with 100% clear vertical grain heartwood cedar, nothing compares to the rich appearance and outstanding performance of our cedar shingle panels. They resist the effects of the sun, rain, pests, and
1: time. For 50 years, Shaker Town has been beautifying and protecting homes,
2: a true American original. Visit shakertown.com to learn more.
3: At PAR, we're more than just lumber because we know people want more than just lumber. That's why we sell grills, sealers, stains, wheelbarrows, rags, bags, extension cords, shop lights, saws, blades, ladders, and oh yeah, Yeti coolers and Yeti thermoses.
2: Visit your local PAR Lumber and find any one of the many, many things that we sell every single day.
0: Here's Tony and
1: Corey. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. Today In the show, we're talking about workshop essentials. Tony's converting his old garage into a workshop. Not a garage. uh, It's not a garage. It was an old storage unit for your ma and pa. Right.
2: Storage shed. That's right. And it's on the property there behind my house. It's just like a shed, folks. It's just a shed. It's a regular old shed. It's got trusses. You know, it's an A-frame style roof. Uh, it's got little two-foot overhangs, um, but does Different. it have a slab? What's the In, floor? Nope, it's wood. I framed it. Oh, it's a wood floor. Yep. framed it onto uh, pier blocks with uh, pressure-treated under framing and um, got three-quarter-inch tongue and groove plywood underneath there, and uh, it it's not insulated. The floor is not oh, insulated. Okay. The walls aren't insulated. The ceiling's not insulated. There's no wall coverings, no sheetrock or wafer board inside there. It's just bare studs. Uh, it's got hardy siding on the outside, hardy lap siding, and um, and it's got a big six-foot roll-up door, which is super nice. Um, six-foot wide or six-foot tall? It's six by six, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, so... you got a duck going in and out. Oh, you know what? I take that back. It's six by eight. It's six foot wide by eight foot tall, Okay, actually. That makes more sense. Yeah, so uh, anyways, it's nice. It gives me a lot of room to get in and out, get stuff in and out, and I like that, um, but there's nothing else in there now. Now, I've got to get all my stuff in there, and I I want to make sure that I'm putting it in there efficiently and effectively, and so I have essentially consulted Corey in front of all of you, and I'm making him tell me what is the first and foremost thing. Before we went to a break, we mentioned dust collection is, you know, it's, it's paramount. We don't want to be doing anything in there until it's safe. Well, it is paramount, but you mentioned that
1: the studio is not insulated. So for me, what I would do is get that thing insulated and get something on the walls. Either sheetrock, but I would recommend OSB or plywood. Buy some sort of OSB or plywood
2: and line the whole thing. Well, OSB... So it's a nice, solid wall sheathing. OSB is a great choice because it is less expensive than sheetrock right now per sheet. And the nice part about it is you don't have to tape and mud it or paint it. I mean, you could paint
1: OSB, but... The, the other nice part about it is in a wood shop, you're moving stuff around, you're running stuff through the ply or through the saws, and you've got a big piece of plywood that you're in there and it dings the wall. Yeah. You're not going to put a big hole in OSB. Right. If you've got sheetrock on the walls, I mean, you're just going to be tearing it up. It's gonna be it
2: look it'll look terrible in is no it time. It's gonna be super dark in there though because it doesn't have white sheetrock or white walls. I mean Paint it. Do you do you feel like I need to paint it to I brighten would, it up? I or would, what is would there do, another way? It was I would put OSB up and I would prime it and paint it. Oh, you would. And I think it would look great. I thought you told me at one point that you wanted to put OSB up in in a space that you were working in, and then you wanted to sand it and clear coat it. I did. Do you still wanna do that? Because that seems to me to be like a pretty cool thing.
1: I think it would be awesome. It depends on how much light you have. Yeah. I mean, if you've got uh, track lighting in there or shop lights, if you got plenty of light, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, you don't have to paint it at all.
2: Well, but sanded and clear coated would be pretty cool. In I, my I opinion. did. I did pipe power to it. So it's got power. It's got its own little breaker box in there. And um, and I've got one uh, fluorescent light in there. One four foot, you know, shop light oh, hanging one. up in there. <laughs> but I've got two two foot by two foot operable windows. And, of course, that big roll-up door. Uh, so there's a little bit of light, not a lot. Um, that's why I was a little concerned about that. But so I feel the, like well, it is an opportunity.
1: Thing, first thing you'll want to do is check how many um, how many amps you have going to that garage. If you're going to be running a table saw, if you're going to be running a chop saw, or any of those sorts of things, or multiple tools at once, uh, you'll definitely want to make sure that you have enough. To cover that, because most
2: table saws draw a lot of power. Well, it's a twenty amp. That's what's going out. So, so a 20 single, amps. a single twenty amp.
1: Yep. Okay. That's um, currently
2: the situation. We'd have to look
1: at your table saw or look at your tools and see how many amps they draw. Uh, you
2: should be okay, but I mean, it'd be worth taking a look and and maybe you might have to upgrade. Well, I can certainly see the potential to be running at the very least some sort of dust collection system while I'm using yeah. said saw or sander or chop saw or whatever. So what you do is you look at the power supply. There's a sticker on all
1: your tools that says how much power they draw at one time. And you just do the math. You know, you look at your table saw, If it draws, you know, five amps, you know, peak power, that's how much amps you're going to be drawing while it's running. And then, you know, you're gonna be looking at other things, add them all together. Yeah. You know, you got to consider your lights and things like that. So, If you're maxing that thing out, you might want to consider getting it upgraded before you do a whole bunch of other work in there.
2: Yeah, Uh, well, you know, that's a big deal, right? Because, of course, essentially the power to the shop comes from the house, right? And there's not always a lot of opportunity to add breakers inside the house or to double down on the power going to the shop, right? Um, so that's that's a consideration right I mean it's I really think about I really want to be able to use my tools out there and not be worrying about popping a breaker you know every time I turn something on or turn on two things well if you have a single 20 amp I mean you should be able to run a table off
1: that you know if it's set to 110 uh, but you know you just you just have to keep an eye on it yeah and, and do that math it's not very difficult you just pull whatever you have any and the sticker says it right on there how many amps that it draws and then you add that up. Okay. you're running that and you're running your vacuum, your shop vac and you're running these, you're running
2: that. You know, if you're not getting close to 20, then you are probably be okay. Okay, so talking about the table saw, right? I've got a pretty small table saw, but it works for what I need right now. It's not a big monster like you've got, Um, but I like it and it works pretty good for me. But I don't really know how much room I need to have around it. Does it need to be in the center of the room? Well, yes and no. You're, you're going to want, depending
1: on what you're doing on it, I mean, if you're uh, ripping any sort of plywood, uh, it's really tough to cross-cut plywood, which means running it through sideways. Right. Uh, but you'd want to have enough space on the back side of it. So you'd want at least eight feet. So if you're ripping a sheet in half, let's say, two foot by eight foot, I mean, you have to get that sheet all the way through without hitting anything. So the longest
2: portion of the building, of course, is 16 so if the if the table saw was eight feet off the back wall or... Yeah, you need at least eight feet from the back and eight
1: feet from the other side, so... It's got to be ripping. right
2: smack in the middle of the room. Well, but here's the thing. And
1: this was... I put this on my list because I wanted to talk to you about this. In a small shop like that, the best thing you can do is buy a mobile base. They make table saws or... They, well, you have probably have a small job site type saw. Sure, yep. Or, So they make, um, you can, you could probably just pick that up and move it. But if you have a larger one, like a cabinet saw or, you know, a hybrid saw, mine's a hybrid. It's a job site saw, but it's got a big cast iron top. Uh, it's belt driven, you know, it's pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. But for that, you can buy bases, mobile bases that go on the base or the bottom of the feet and they have wheels. So then there's like a little lever that you push down. It lifts the thing up onto the wheels and you can move it around. Yeah, That's what I would recommend for your application. That's what I use on mine. Uh, Actually, mine has its own built-in wheels, which is great. You just kick the kickstand down and wheel that thing wherever you want it. Sometimes
2: I got to wheel it out in the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the... What about this, though? If I've got a small table for my table saw, right? It's pretty small. Is there, uh, is there an opportunity to extend the table out, and maybe build something around it, um, a larger sort of table or something I can just slide it into and, and so that I have a larger working space around the table? So Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: That's called an outfeed table. That's what you want.
2: Yeah. Well, that sounds like something that, uh, that I might want to work on and then choosing the right spot for that. Maybe it could be up against one wall. Um, along one long side of the building instead of having to be right out in the middle I know it's got to be yeah somewhat off the wall. W- what would you say would be the minimum distance off of one wall from one side? Mm. Two feet maybe. Yeah, probably a couple feet Well, anyway, so so that's the first thing I want to do, right? I want to get a, a dust collection system out there so that I can work without worry and uh, And then I want to start situating it. The other thing that we need to talk about uh, is a workbench but um there's a that's a it's a big topic and of course i don't know how big it should be or where in the place it should be and where i'm going to put shelves so i really want to cover all of that stuff i've got a ton of ideas there too but i've got a ton of ideas for your uh, dust collection too okay we're we're going to talk about we're going to take a quick break when we come back more woodshop essentials you're listening to tony and cory your weekend warriors don't go away
0: Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about workshop essentials. And Tony's got a project in his, he's got an old storage shed. That's outside of his house. It's kind of like a garage. It looks like a garage.
2: It's huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a storage shed. 12 by 16, right? Um, And I'm super excited about it. I mean, I just, I can picture all of these things happening in there, but I can't seem to organize them in my mind and I don't know where to start. So that's what we're talking about today. Where would you start if you were putting together a wood shop. I I just know I need to get my tools out of the garage and the other places where they're scattered around. Honestly, when I run out of room in the garage, I end up taking them out to the back covered patio, which is where I've been doing a lot of my stuff, but it's cold outside and, uh, you know, it's just not conducive to proper lighting and and all of the things that I want to do. So well, I want to get it in there.
1: That, you know, the rainy weather, I mean, that's not good for your tools to leave them out there under a covered porch like that uh i I definitely would take them inside and build that thing but you know you were kind of jumping around in the last segment let's uh let's rein that in a little bit and start start uh thinking about what you need to do to prep to get ready to have that shed converted and uh before you know like we did this workshop right here yeah we insulated it we air sealed it and not that all that is that important uh but you know are you going to be working in there in the middle of winter well, I mean, I believe that I will be, yeah. So, I mean, you'll definitely want to insulate it. You'll want to, you know, put something on the walls. In- is the ceiling insulated? It's not. So you'll want to insulate that and, uh, you know, put some sort of uh, roof sheathing or, or not roof sheathing, but ceiling
2: sheathing on there yeah. to, to finish that thing off. Um keep as much heat down in the workspace as possible. Yes. At least in the in the colder. And then, of course, uh, the, it works both ways, we know. If you insulate the walls in the ceiling, then it also keeps the heat out. So, Absolutely. What uh, What's the floor look like? You said it's uh, wooden. I mean, what do you mean by wood? I've got three-quarter-inch uh, underlay grade tongue-and-groove plywood. That's oh, so like edge gold? There. Yep. Well, it's plywood, though. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so it's not an OSB product. And uh, it's nice, it's smooth, and uh, works really good. So you could wheel... I mean, if you did do mobile tools, like a mobile
1: table saw, you'd be uh, you'd be okay wheeling that around on that.
2: Yeah, but I wonder, do you think I should put some kind of a floor covering down or should I just leave it plywood? What do you think there's... Uh, I mean, you know, I don't have an endless bank of money, right? Sure. I have to do what I have to do on a budget. So I want to I wanna be as efficient and frugal as possible, but I also want it to be a good space. I would say that
1: if you can wheel something around on it with no problem, I would leave it be, leave it just like it is. There's no reason to, you know, spend extra money to put some sort of, you know, floor covering linoleum or garage floor coat or something like that down. That would be cool, but I don't think it's necessary. Do you
2: think I should put some kind of a clear coat, some inexpensive clear coat to maybe just make it more durable? I mean, you know, there's going to be spills and things. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't. I mean, at the very least, if you wanted to, you could paint it. You know, okay. I would use floor paint. There's a difference between floor paint and wall paint. And floor paint is uh, a lot harder, much more durable. Okay. You know, wheeling things and walking, you know, it's for walking traffic rather than, you know, wall paint.
2: Sure, it's sure. Just different stuff. Well, that makes good sense. I mean, I can imagine uh, putting a of a coat of paint on the floor to protect it a little bit. Yeah, you could probably get that done for a couple gallons, honestly. So here's another thing. Uh, I've only got two outlets in there right now, Um, one on each of the long walls, but nothing on the end. Is there a a bare minimum amount of outlets that I need? I mean, obviously I could put some kind of a power strip or something on the wall, but tools are going to be all around in there and I'm going to want to be able to plug them in or maybe a, a central outlet, something in the middle. Well, that's not a terrible idea.
1: Uh, you have to be careful. Uh, you don't want to be running your power tools off extension cords uh, as little as possible, put it that way. I mean, you definitely don't want to be running your high amp tools off power cords. They can be dangerous. You know, power cords are not, extension cords are not rated for that much power to be ran through them all the time. And you know, I've run into it, you know, where I've had my table saw and just where I needed to get it out into the driveway. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll use this extension cord. And I got the biggest one I could get. It was like a 10 gauge extension cord. And that table saw struggled to turn on. Yeah, it was pulling so much juice through that thing that uh, I I popped the breaker. Oh, man.
2: So I I definitely want to, I don't want to have to struggle with that. Uh, I definitely want to be able to use my tools the way they're intended to be used. So locating some additional outlets in there will be paramount, I think. Very much so. Before I put wall coverings up, for sure. Absolutely.
1: I would have an electrician come in there and drop, you know, probably a, a plug every every four to five feet, honestly. Well, that'll be... If I had it my way, I'd have one
2: every two feet. Wow. That's you a lot. You can't have too much power. That's a lot of power outlets. <laughs> um, so here's another thing. Uh, shelving. You you talked about wanting to have shelving in there, but I do not want this to be a place where I store stuff. Oh, okay. This is definitely not going to be a storage facility anymore. This is going to be a working shop. Now, I know that I need to have some shelves to put some things, but I don't want to have storage shelves in there. I mean, storage shelves are going to take two feet away uh, in the width on one side or four feet away in the width. If I put it on both sides... So I want to be really frugal about that. Floor space is important. How much shelving do you think I need, like bare minimum shelving in there? Well,
1: it depends on what you're storing. And you said you don't want to store anything. But you're going to be wanting to store your tools in there. And depending on how many tools you have, you're definitely going to want to keep those put away nice and neat. So you know where they are and you can get at them quickly. I know My biggest problem, you know, when you come over to my garage is I say, where's this? And where's that? You know, we're always running around looking for tools because we've, you know, opened them and put them over here or put them over there. And having them all centrally located into one place is just way more efficient.
2: And you'll be happy you did it. Well, I'll tell you what I did do. Uh, When I remodeled my kitchen, I saved some of the cabinets that uh, we that we took out of the kitchen. And I have those currently on the wall in my garage. But I think I'd like to take those out of the garage, maybe put those in the in the workshop? Well, I'll give you a suggestion um, for
1: cabinets like that, that that are perfect. Old kitchen cabinets are perfect for the tools that you don't want to get totally dusty all the time. You know, uh, one of the things about having tools open in your workshop, they're just going to get covered with dust and all kinds of stuff. So if you've got like a router, you know, I like to keep my router in its box put away. In a closed cabinet because in my, all my router bits and all that stuff, because it, when it just gets covered in dust, they you know you got to clean it up all the time and it's you a pain. Clean it before you use it. Yeah, well, and your when your router, especially your router, because it runs at such high RPMs, that dust gets down into that motor in there, and it just it can make it burn out sooner than later, which is bad. So you want to get that thing cleaned out uh, and keep it stored somewhere where it's just not. St- all that dust falling on it. So
2: it's probably a good idea to also have some. I have a rollaway uh, toolbox, a big tall. Oh yeah, know, that's tool, perfect toolbox, like a Mac Tools toolbox, and um, and that will work for a lot of my smaller tools, wrenches and pliers and screwdrivers and those types of things, nail sets. Um, but maybe I have some storage bins to store some of the other stuff in fasteners, screws, nails. Um, those types of things. Well, you
1: definitely have to consider that, you know, every time that we've done any kind of wood shop project, you need a multitude of screws and in every length, you know, you need from half inch all the way to four inch wood screws and different types of bolts and small things. You know I mean? You just never know what sort of fastener you'd need for the project you're working on, especially the stuff for that. You do, you bring the weirdest things over to my house that we need to build (laughs) and you know, it's like, you're always, you know, you always reaching for those different things so having a good supply of every type of wood screw out there i you've seen it i have everyone out there and it's fantastic yeah well so having a place to keep those is key Yeah. It's somewhere where they're not going to get covered in dust yeah so i would keep them in a
2: closed cabinet that's going to be perfect i've got some base cabinets and i've got some wall cabinets that came from my kitchen remodel and i'm definitely going to employ those the base cabinets will be perfect for building the workbench, but I really am not sure how big I want that workbench to be. So, well, and the other thing we need to talk about is wood storage. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. More of that kind of stuff. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back.
1: There's a reason Fortress Railing Products is one of the strongest brands in the railing industry. From commercial, code-tested products to diverse residential styles, Fortress Railing Products is a category creator with a complete line of railing solutions to turn your outdoor space into a living place.
2: Fortress is committed to a higher standard for quality, strength, innovation, versatility, and ease of installation, which means you get a beautiful railing system that stands up to your busy life. Whether you're looking for iron, aluminum, or cable rail, we have the right solution for your outdoor living space. And installation is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your pre-welded,
1: pre-assembled panel. Two, choose your post and bracket. And three, select your
2: personalization options. Fortress, products that inspire, Designs that
4: liberate. For a look that reflects your style, choose Marvin Windows and Doors. They'll enhance the essence of a room and the character of a home. Beautifully crafted with the most extensive selection of customizable options, it's easy to complement your vision. Marvin Windows and Doors are sold only at independent dealers who understand your home is more than your address. It's a feeling you create in a place that holds your dreams. Marvin windows and doors, built around you. Find exceptional service
5: and inspiration at Parr Design Center, your local Marvin dealer. Start your project with a trip to their Aloha location where Parr Design Center's experts can help you find easy and stylish replacement solutions for your next remodeling project. Family owned and operated since 1930. Go where the builders go, PAR Design Center. Call PAR Design Center at 503 614 2655 or visit online at PAR.com. That's P A R R.com.
1: Preparing your home for winter weather is an easy task for weekend warriors when you
2: have the right tools. Small leaks in doors, windows, and siding can create big problems down the road so make inspection of these areas a part of your annual home maintenance plan. Caulking that is cracked, peeling, or pulling away from your trim can be cut and
1: replaced with OSI Quad Advanced Formula Window, Door, and Siding Sealant.
2: Designed for superior performance on exterior window, door, siding, and trim applications, OSI Quad can be applied to wet or dry surfaces and even at freezing temperatures. Unlike other sealants, Quad resists dirt and dust collection,
1: yellowing, and water washout. Quad is self-tooling, available in a variety of colors,
2: and once cured, is paintable. To learn more about OSI Quad, visit osipro.com.
3: Whether you're building a new home, remodeling an old home, or re-envisioning your backyard space, if you've got a project, go to Par Lumber for decks, fencing, kitchens, windows,
1: doors and more. Par Lumber, your neighborhood building and home improvement experts. For true rain screen protection under your exterior siding, not much compares to the
2: unique three dimensional matrix of Home Slicker. Home Slicker provides a continuous space for drainage and drying, a thermal break and pressure equalization, eliminating the
1: threat of trapped moisture. Home Slicker is easy to install, ventilates the entire wall surface, can be used behind stone, stucco and lap siding, saves time and labor costs and even offers a 50-year warranty. To learn more about Home Slicker, visit benjaminobdike.com.
3: At Par, we're more than just lumber because we know people want more than just lumber. That's why we sell grills, sealers, stains, wheelbarrows, rags, bags, extension cords, shop lights, saws, blades, ladders, and oh yeah, Yeti coolers and Yeti thermoses.
2: Visit your local Par Lumber and find any one of the many, many things that we sell every single day.
0: You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber, now Here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about workshop essentials. And Tony's converting his shed out in his yard to a uh, a workshop, a wood shop. A wood shop. So we were kind of talking about all the things you would need to do. Insulate it, finish off the walls you know we were talking a little bit earlier about dust collection i think dust collection is super important uh, especially for me um i know not so much you but when, you know when you get more and more and more into woodworking and the dust it kills you
2: yeah well uh, i mean it's, you suffer from allergies already so you oh, big time. you have some of those it gets to you earlier uh, than it gets to me and you're always shoving a uh, respirator on me and trying to protect me. And I appreciate that. Uh, but I need to be focused on that going in. As a matter of fact, I'm not going to go out and buy a dust collection system. I'm, I'm just not in that place right now. Yeah, right. No. I'm kind of limping into this wood shop thing and I'm, I'm converting over my shed, right? 12 by 16. Um, but I do want to have a means to collect dust in there. So you have uh, some idea of how I could, sort of change the use of my shop vac to turn it into a dust collection system how what does that look like how would i go about doing something i do have a shop vac um how would i do that well i mean it just depends
1: i mean if you wanted to you can plumb your whole shop with three inch or four inch pvc pipe and they make cut off uh you know, cutoff valves that you can plug in there. So essentially what you would do is you would uh, plumb a central line down the middle, one that shoots off that comes down to, say, your chop saw, and then one that comes down and shoots down to where your, um, you know, planer is or your joiner or whatever. And if you had one over that came down and came over to a, you know, a sanding station, that's a really cool way to do it because that way you don't have to drag your shop vac-, shop vac around with you to every time you're using a tool like I do in my garage. Hmm. It's a big pain in the butt because you're, you know, that thing, you got the hose in there. What I did was I actually bought an extra hose, which is nice because instead of that six foot hose that they give you, you know, I have a connector and I have two two length, full length hoses on there. So I can kind of leave the shop vac where it is and just connect the hose you know, that's probably the cheapest way to do it. Uh, but having that piped central kind of a, like a central vac, mm-hmm. you put the shot vac in the corner, and then you have all that stuff piped through back to that thing. And then these shutoff gates. And then when you want to use something, you just open it, you know, and it's ready to go. And it's already connected, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it's kind of a big operation. I mean, it really all is of that stuff. It really is.
2: But I like the idea of of rigging up a an air filter that maybe hangs from the rafters in the center of the room that I can turn on when I'm doing stuff. That's going to create a lot of little dust. I'm not so much worried about running stuff through the table saw or through the chop saw that creates some coarse sawdust that really just falls to the ground mostly. Yeah. But the sanding and that type of thing that creates a lot of fine dust, you know, if I'm using 320 grit or something like that to, to finish something off, uh, that's really what I don't want to be breathing that stuff.
1: Well, you know, and that's where I was talking about that, you know, down feed, you know, downdraft table. Yeah. You know, essentially what you do is you create a box, you know, uh, however big you want it. If you want it the size of your workbench, you know, you I've seen uh, guys that have turned, have an entire workbench that they remove the top in the whole workbench is, a downdraft table interesting so you have you know a piece of three quarter inch plywood or something over top and then when you remove that it's say quarter inch tempered hardboard uh, pegboard that's just full of holes and that's all it is really and then what you do is you just like again you connect your shot vac to that Uh, depending on how big it is you might have to uh, you know have a little more oomph in there i've seen some with some air movers Um, if you get an old furnace if you know an hvac guy (laughs) they're taking out an old furnace uh that's what mine is i have a it's a plywood box with an air mover in there from an old furnace and it moves a lot of air through that thing so it's got a furnace filter on one side furnace filter on the other and it just pulls that through it and then all i got to do is replace the furnace filter uh, on one side or the other both sides you know every so often interesting or even shake them out really
2: yeah well i think if i had that in the center of the room and i was running that while i was doing sanding and those types of things and also utilized the the box idea with tempered or pegboard up on top that allowed the dust to fall down through and had hooked my shop vac hose up to the side of that box yeah. it's constantly pulling air through there and sucking all that dust out it just that's just about choosing to do your sanding in a place that's going to remove that dust or manage that dust. That seems uh, totally understandable. Well, this is especially important if
1: you're gonna be doing any finishing. And what I mean by that is finish painting, finish you know varnishing, polyurethane, anything like that, that you're gonna need a dust free area. So if you're using the same wood shop that you're gonna be working stuff on and then finishing it in that same workshop or that same space, You need to really consider the level of dust collection that you're doing and and what type of finishing you're doing
2: yeah well let's talk more about the workbench i i really don't know i've got several three-foot cabinets let's say that i have the means to build a 12-foot uh workbench right and have cabinets base cabinets underneath it all the way across um 12 foot, does that seem like that's going to be um, enough or too much for the space that I'm in? 12 by 16. Well, I, I think it is enough
1: um, for that space. That is a great idea. What I would do is do a solid wood top on that thing. Uh, that way, you know, you can do whatever you want on there. You know, probably get some inch and an eighth edge gold or something like that. Or an old, or some old door slabs. Yeah, I've that's... used old door, solid core door slabs before. Uh, those work really well. Um, an old trick I saw a long time ago was somebody took, you know, a solid plywood base, and they took and put a, an edge, like oak edging, and they stood it proud all the way around the perimeter of that, uh, workbench quarter of an inch. And then they would took they took tempered hardboard and they made like a replaceable piece a replaceable piece that would slide in there, so that way if they marred it up and got it all messed up, they could just take it out, take it, it out, put it a fresh swap one. out a new piece of tempered hardboard. And tempered hardboard's great because it is super duper dense and super duper hard and it's pretty inexpensive really it's
2: very inexpensive four by eight sheet of tempered hardboard it's less than 20 bucks yeah totally so
1: i mean that that's an idea that if you depending on what you're going to be doing sort of things you're going to be doing in there uh, if you're going to be doing a lot of uh things that could potentially mar up your surface mm-hmm. you know make it replaceable
2: yeah It's kind of a cool idea. It does seem like a good idea. With 12 feet, I could push that up against the back of the shop there and have the whole back of the shop workbench and upper cabs right in that one space.
1: Yeah, but then what I would do if I were you is I would make a mobile workbench. And what I mean by that is, and I know you've seen this of mine that I made, is I made a table that was, I don't know, four foot by six foot. Mm -hmm. And I had these nice Tro- uh, Trojan sawhorses, yeah, uh, that are made right here in the Pacific Northwest in Washougal, Washington. Super heavy duty, yeah. They're super heavy. I mean, if you set them up, you could put uh, a load, an entire what, like two bunks of plywood. They say you can put on them. Yeah. Anyway, they hold a ton of weight. So I have a <laughs> pair of those, literally two pairs of those. And uh, what I did was I made the table with a couple two by fours in the middle that I can attach those sawhorses to. And it's essentially, I can set that workbench up anywhere. Yeah. And it works really well, especially in somewhere like in your situation, because if you're limited on space, you can break it down. And if you don't need it, put it in the back of the workshop, pull it out later if you do, or you can take it out into the driveway and set it up out there. Uh, I think that's the way to go, especially
2: in your situation. Well, that makes perfect sense because I won't always need to have that bench in the middle of the room using it, but... I'll have the ability to put it there or break it down when I don't need it. So that's, that's super smart. Yeah. If you had a ton of space, you know, if your workbench
1: or workshop was, you know, 30 by 30, infinitely large, I would totally have a dedicated work bench in the middle. Yeah. You know, probably incorporated
2: with your table saw. It's super important to have a tabletop space that you can get to all sides of it. You need to be able to walk all the way around it and dedicating the center of your shop to that permanently. Is a big ask. It totally is. You know,
1: it's, you know, this, one of the crazy things that we do all the time is we actually use my table saw as a workbench.
2: Yeah, we do. <laughs> and because it's available, it's there. And sometimes it's the easiest thing. Yeah.
1: And it's perfectly flat. So uh, setting up and, you know, if we're building some sort of small furniture, we'll use the tabletop table saw top cast iron top since it's perfectly flat yeah we'll use that as the setup and and glue up spot
2: okay yeah i've got another really awesome set of ideas that i want to talk about but it's going to take a little bit i want to talk about a little bit of uh the ability to put some of my tools up on the wall and how i will do that and we'll talk more about that after the break you listen to tony and cory don't go away
0: To the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Parlumber. When it comes to bigger, small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody! Thanks for staying with us today. We're talking about workshop essentials because Tony is converting a shed in his backyard. To a wood shop and workshop
2: no, and nobody is more excited about it than Corey. i'm very excited about this he's super excited Get because you that out means of my garage be in his garage doing my project you know
1: the best part about doing projects in my garage though What's honestly that? yeah is having you clean
2: my garage yeah well there's been a lot of garage i cleaning. remember
1: tony actually saying to me you know i feel like all i do is clean your garage <laughs> <laughs> it was a prerequisite you
2: want my help You gotta clean
1: my garage. Well, I'm just telling you. When my wife comes home and the garage is full of tools and sawdust and just stuff,
2: she's not happy with me. I mean, sometimes I come over with a project and the garage isn't exactly clean when we start, but it is always clean when I leave. Exactly, and that I give you props for. It's gotta be. It's just gotta be. That's what it's all
1: about. I'm willing to help. I'll do. All sorts of projects, anything I need to do, but we got to clean
2: up when we're done. A clean space is a safe space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that is also true. Yeah. Absolutely. Safety is a big factor in any wood shop. And the smaller the shop is, the harder it is, I feel like, to keep it super tidy and clean. So that's going to be paramount for me. Well, and... I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, we were talking about workbenches and a mobile
1: workbench before the break. And I think a mobile workbench should be perfect for a small wood shop like yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to also consider wood storage. You know, you're going to be having all these cutoffs, you know, little half sheets of plywood, whatever, because you get, you're doing a lot of crafts. Yeah. You know, the same thing you're doing projects for your wife and her, her, you know, kind of wedding. She does wedding business stuff, right? Yeah, wedding yeah. stuff. Wedding decorator. Yeah. And uh, all of these little projects require small pieces of cut off wood, and yeah, you have a t- you have a lot of little pieces left over. So you got to consider where you're gonna keep all that stuff, because if you're anything like me, you got all these bundles and you know storage stash spots. Yeah. You know, especially long stuff. You well, know full well that you're gonna have full length pieces of wood and
2: where are you going to keep them? Yeah. You can't keep them on the floor. Right. Cause that spacious space is precious. Yep. Absolutely. So before we went to the break, we were talking about having some shelving space, uh, around not really for storage of anything other than things that I'll be using in the wood shop. So what's the best way to put some storage on the wall? I mean, am I just going to just put some, some shelf brackets up on the wall and stack stuff up on top of the shelf brackets or, Um, how do you see that going down? Well,
1: you can, I mean, you definitely can. That's a decent idea. Um, one of the things that, that I've done in the past with my garage wood shops is I've made, um, cleats like angled cleats that go onto the wall, uh, that only come out maybe two feet, Mm
2: -hmm. um, Sort of with a little corbel
1: uh, yeah, like sort a corbel. of support on there. Yeah, like a corbel. Mm-hmm. I have one of those in the back of my garage. You've seen it. Yep. Um, you know, not too far apart on center, maybe four foot, six foot on center uh, to, to store your long stuff. I've actually made uh, squares or rectangles out of wood and screwed those to my roof rafters to slide long pieces of trim in. Oh, yeah. That's um, smart. You definitely have to be careful how much you put in there. You can't stack them to the hilt, but...
2: You know, they hold quite a bit of weight. So when will you know when you've put too much weight up there? When it falls on your head. Okay. (laughs) And since you don't want to get to that point, you'll be super, super careful as you're putting stuff up Yeah, you know, like
1: I would put pieces of trim, you know, when I'm working on projects in my house where I have leftover pieces of trim. Or even, you know, if I'm getting ready to do a project and I don't want to just overrun my garage with stuff, you know, and I buy, I bring home 10, 20 pieces of, you know, wood casing or something like that window casing i would stash it up there because they have come in pretty long lengths yeah you know typically they're coming in 16 footers and that's all the space i got to work with absolutely so yeah. if you hang it from the ceiling you can go front to back all the way in and uh, it's up and out of the way yeah and it's, it's not underfoot and it's not getting banged around yeah you know especially if you're bringing it home knowing that that project is going to take you a while yeah if you if it's going to take you several weeks like any weekend warrior you know you're not coming home and working on it till
2: it's done you're working on it on nights and weekends right is that the easiest and best way probably in your opinion to store stuff overhead um, just to sort of frame out a box make sure that it's fastened really well at the corners glued and screwed maybe with some corner gussets and then uh, and then fasten that up to the trusses i mean we want to be super careful not to add too much weight to the trusses yeah i mean i think it's fine I
1: mean, you're, you're not adding that much weight. I mean, if you're storing lumber, you know, that's, that's probably a little different story.
2: Well, do you think that I could maybe beef up that, that overhead storage a little bit if I was using angle iron, like uh, the kind of angle iron that they use when they're putting in a garage door track? Sure, that wouldn't be a bad idea. It seems like an option. Um, here's something else. You mentioned something to me about French cleats. Uh, When you were talking about hanging stuff on the walls, describe to me what a a French cleat is and how it works.
1: Well, a French cleat is something that you put on the wall that has a back angle. I guess I would describe that as a back angle where it angles away from the wall and up. So it'd be like a 45-degree angle, right? And then it's a slat of, say, a slat of wood that you would, or a piece of metal that you would screw onto the wall like in a long strip. And then whatever that you... Want to hang on it? You have that exact same pattern cut into on the the opposite piece. You have another strip. Okay. So, like, imagine taking a piece of one by six and setting your table saw at a forty five degree angle and ripping that piece in half.
2: Right. You have you have both halves of that forty five exactly,
1: and they fit together perfect. So, what you would do is take the one piece and mount it to your whatever you want to hang with the angle angling down and away. Mm-hmm. And then the other piece you would screw to your wall, angling up in away from the wall. So then when you hang it on there, it, it's got a positive connection all the yeah, way exactly. across. It's well, called a French cleat. Super strong, and you can hang almost just about anything. Interesting. You know, if you want to have movable cabinets or movable storage bins or anything of the sort like that, you could take and put a French cleat on the wall and mount the other piece of that French cleat to whatever it is and hang it, move it. It's a really good idea.
2: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What about pegboard? I mean, you utilize pegboard um, for storage of small things uh, up on the wall? I mean, I mean I've mean, i seen these uh, elaborate pieces of pegboard up there where they, they have their tools, and there's an outline of their tool right on the pegboard, so every tool has its little place. Uh, that, is that overboard? I don't know.
1: I, you know, my garage that I moved into in the house I live in now has pegboard everywhere. I have not utilized it as much as the guy before me probably utilized it, but I don't know. I I don't think it's one of those things that I would use. I don't use it. Yeah. probably just depends on you. Growing up, my dad had pegboard on his wall and he had his tools hung on the wall and had sharpie outlined every tool so you know if one of us kids went out there and
2: borrowed something he knew it right away well (laughs) i mean i I, this is the kind of thing that i want to get figured out before i get started i want to know where my stuff's going to go and i want to know that i'm going to have enough space to put it in but like you i've got some wall cabs and i can put some of that stuff in there we got to take a quick break when we come back more wood shop talk you listen to tony core your weekend warriors don't go away Being a homeowner in today's market isn't easy. With families hanging on to their homes longer, energy efficiency and long-term quality have become top priorities. Future generations will benefit from the choices you make today. Make the right choice. Invest in your family's future with Plygem Windows, available at area par lumber locations. You'll enjoy designer, low-maintenance windows at a price that won't jeopardize the kids' college fund. They're approved by the National Association of Home Builders and ENERGY STAR certified.
3: So why do people shop at PAR? Because we know that people who want to build need selection, competitive pricing, on-time delivery, and real experts who really know how to give expert advice. Just ask Shana.
1: We help design projects all the time. Let's take a look at your plans. That's why people shop at PAR. If you've got a project you need help with, visit any one of our PAR locations across the Pacific Northwest. To find a location near you, visit parr.com.
4: For a look that reflects your style, choose Marvin Windows and Doors. They'll enhance the essence of a room and the character of a home. Beautifully crafted with the most extensive selection of customizable options, it's easy to complement your vision. Marvin Windows and Doors are sold only at independent dealers who understand your home is more than your address. It's a feeling you create in a place that holds your dreams. Marvin Windows and Doors. Built around you.
5: Find exceptional service and inspiration at PAR Design Center, your local Marvin dealer. Start your project with a trip to their Aloha location, where PAR Design Center's experts can help you find easy and stylish replacement solutions for your next remodeling project. Family owned and operated since 1930. Go where the builders go PAR Design Center. Call PAR Design Center at 503 614 2655 or visit online at par.com that's p a r r.com
1: Trex is the world's number 1 decking brand and the inventor of wood alternative
2: composite decking. Trex is committed to helping you create a low-maintenance backyard retreat that can handle the outdoors without depleting them and will do so for decades because your weekends should be spent relaxing on your deck, not repairing it. Choose from four distinct collections and 21 colors to meet any design aesthetic
1: on any budget with the comfort of a 25-year fade and stain warranty. Trex, outdoor living elevated. Visit trex.com for more. When you want to enhance your home's curb appeal with the look of real wood, choose real wood, like Shakertown Cedar Siding. The
2: genuine natural color and grain of Shakertown products offers a great cedar siding solution for your project, adding dimension and drama to your home's exterior. Whether you select
1: individual sidewall shakes, pre-manufactured Craftsman shingle panels, or pre-primed cedar cove shingle panels, your cedar siding will stand the test of time, outlasting building trends and its competition.
2: Made with 100% clear vertical grain heartwood cedar, nothing compares to the rich appearance and outstanding performance of our cedar shingle panels. They resist the effects of the sun, rain, pests, and
1: time. For 50 years, Shaker Town has been beautifying and protecting homes, a
2: true American original. Visit ShakerTown.com to learn more.
3: At Parr, we're more than just lumber because we know people want more than just lumber. That's why we sell grills, sealers. Stains, wheelbarrows, rags, bags, extension cords, shop lights, saws, blades, ladders, and, oh yeah, Yeti coolers and Yeti thermoses.
2: Visit your local Par Lumber and find any one of the many, many things that we sell every single day.
0: You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber, now Here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about wood shop essentials. Yes. Or workshop essentials. Wood shop. Uh, but hey, if you haven't already, go check us out on our uh, social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash home show. Uh, we're also on YouTube. If you're listening to us on, Uh, the radio right now you can go and watch this show on youtube we're recording it right now yeah right now on youtube
2: (laughs) video podcast people that's what it's all
1: about Yep. and uh, if you want to check any of that out you can go to our website at www.homeshow.com yep or weekend warriors home improvement Improvement
2: show.com yep or you can go to par.com click the weekend warriors link Yep. And it'll redirect you to our page. Yeah,
1: that'll take you right there.
2: We're all over Instagram, so follow us there. Yeah, we've got some cool stuff going on. Pinterest. Yeah, lots of how-to videos in 2019. Would would be some some uh, product reviews and some quick tips and things that you can that you can uh, you know use in real life. Really, it's stuff. Yeah. There, because it's stuff that we've used and we're just sharing with you our experience. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We enjoy it.
1: Yeah. So uh, if you haven't already. Go do that. And if you have questions or comments, feel free to email us at weekendwarriors at par dot com. That's P A R
2: R dot com. You can actually also leave uh, questions or comments on the website, uh com or Weekend We'll be happy to hear from you. Answer questions or absolutely you know, if you want to see a video or see us talk about something,
1: we'll uh, we'll do it. Yeah, we're more than happy to do we're it. We're here every week. Absolutely, every week. Like it or not,
2: yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about we're, we're talking about wood shop essentials, and um, because I'm going to be uh, building, um, or I shouldn't say building, I'm outfitting a, a shed to be uh, my new wood shop. I've got a lot of wood shop projects that I've been working on, and um, having sawdust all over the place where I keep dragging my tools to all these different places is starting to get on to me. It's starting to get my nerves a little bit. So we're gonna this whole thing together in a in a what used to be a storage shed and now going to be my wood shop and so what we really need to do corey we've been talking a lot about how to prepare the shop to be a wood shop but i want to start talking about the tools that i need i've got some tools but when i compare the tools that i own to the tools that you own i feel i feel very small inadequate (laughs) Uh, uh, my tool collection pales in comparison to yours and uh, as a matter of fact um, my tool collection has gotten a little bit bigger because you have given you my old stuff, given you your old yeah. stuff. Yeah. Giving me your old stuff. So, which is really great. And I don't want to, I don't want to get away from that. The hand me down, the hand me down program is a pretty good program. Uh, so, uh, so I want to keep on that. So let's talk about the next tool you need to give me uh, so that I can have my my wood shop. Oh, you outfitted. mean what? What am I up for upgrade? You mean? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you need to be shopping for some new stuff. I have. Let's just get to the basics right here. I've got a table saw. Okay, it's essential. You've got to have a table saw. You have to have a table saw, and uh, and it needs to be working properly. It needs to have safety guards. It needs to have uh, a push rod. It needs to have, of course, a rip fence. All those things. Um, I've used table saws that were that we're missing some of those things, and uh, I don't ever, ever want to do that again. So I have a very good working table saw with all of its parts and pieces, and uh, so th- that's where I'm starting. And of course, I also have a 12-inch chop saw, which, uh, which has been able to do everything I've needed to do. You have a sliding, is it a sliding compound? It's a compound miter, but it's not a slider. Oh, okay, so okay. So I am limited a little bit to the depth of material that I can cut with it.
1: Yeah, you know, a sliding is... Cool, uh, but I don't feel it's completely necessary. Um, I have a sliding, and I don't use the sliding portion nearly as much as I thought I would. Yeah. So as far as that goes, I would be completely content
2: well i you know having I, just a compound i do sometimes have the occasion where i cut something it doesn't reach all the way and i have to flip it over line up the cut yeah and make a second yeah, cut but you know true. what it's, it's not rare. the end of the world right and that gets me uh it gets me a pretty wide piece of material the ability to do that well the other thing you can do uh if you have wide cuts like
1: that that you can't make with your chop saw is to do them with your circular saw. Mm-hmm. So I always recommend having a decent circular saw. Uh, they make really good circular saws with a track, a track system that the the saw actually sits in and travels really, really straight. Yeah, it's great for doing cross cutting. It's great for doing those cuts that you can't quite get with uh, a chop saw or a sl- even a sliding chop saw, but are almost too dangerous to do on your table saw. Table saw. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, you there is a limit to the uh, the size of material that you can run across the table saw and keep it straight, right? And uh, and so it makes sense that if I've got something big that I've got to cut, uh, then I'll use my skill saw and I'll just leave myself a little bit of room to trim it with the with the table saw after I've made my first cut. So uh, what else? What what do you think you need? Well, I've got a random orbit sander, so a hand sander, and that does a lot of. The things that I want to do. But honestly, what I really need is like a spindle sander or a belt sander, something that's stationary uh, so that I can use both my hands with the material and still get it sanded. I mean, holding the material in one hand and sanding with a random orbit sander uh, is a lot. It's taxing. It's a lot of work. Yeah. A spindle sander would be perfect for
1: the stuff that you do or a, uh, a, a mounted sander yeah a uh, wheel sander uh it's the actually the sanding wheel is straight up and down perpendicular so it spins and it usually has a base table uh that's really really good for small crafts especially for the stuff that you're doing yeah i would highly recommend getting one of those either a bench bench mounted or they make standalone sanders yeah. you know like that mm-hmm. with, that you know fit on their
2: own base and you can move those around, but a benchtop would be great. Well, I would certainly help me out a lot. I, I definitely feel like that I do a lot of sanding. You know, the stuff that I've been doing a lot of is, is finish work, really. Something that's a, a craft. It's going to be hung up on the wall or uh, used as a, as a decoration in the house. So they need to be super smooth and uh, lots of 320 grit. But doing it with one hand is, is, is difficult. So I can see where I would be able to utilize a standalone sander. Yeah, I wouldn't get, I, I wouldn't do a belt sander
1: in that, for those applications. I mean, belt sanders are a little too unwieldy uh, for small crafts like that.
2: But maybe you, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of imagined the belt sander being uh, mounted to a table. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, then that would be different. Yeah, <laughs> it would and, be, a, and maybe challenging to, to put together. <laughs> well, it would be very unruly. I'll tell you what, something else that I feel like I've come across it would be nice to have is a planer. I don't have a planer. I've A used, surface planer? Yeah, I've used a 12-inch planer in the past. And uh, At my house? At your house, yeah. It's nice to be able to take a piece of material that's otherwise rough, right, and, uh, and be able to put a smooth surface on it and get it uh, nice and even all the way across. Um, because buying material that's finished already on its face... Uh, sometimes it can be more expensive if you can buy the rougher stuff, and 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 run it through a planer and get a nice finish on the on the face. You can save some money that way. Yeah, I've done a lot of projects where I've taken pieces
1: of wood that were, you know, not finished grade material, and or have eased edges where the edge of the material is rounded off, mm-hmm. but you don't want it round. You want it square. Um, I've taken pieces of two by run it through my planer, thinned it down to five quarter, you know, square on four sides. So it's nice
2: finish grade material and it looks great and it's cheap. The other cool thing that you can do with a planer is if you're putting multiple pieces together and you need them all to be the same thickness, right? Um, You can run those multiple pieces through the planer. And then, of course, then, of course, I feel like I need to have a joiner, which would treat the edge, right? Because you can't really run the edge through the planer. Yeah, no, you're exactly right.
1: That's what a joiner would do. It would flatten out uh, the edge of any piece of wood perpendicular to the, you know, the flat side or the, you know, the long grain side. It's the short, the edge material. You'd run that through and any variations. If it's, you know, bowed, you can take bows out of it. So, that's, yeah,
2: I, I don't have a joiner and I want one. I've got a great plan. Let's go out and get you a, a cheap joiner, learn how to use it, and then when you decide to upgrade, then I'll have my joiner. It's just <laughs> what I need. That's a terrible idea. we got to take a quick break, folks. When we come back, more wood shop Essentials. You're listening to, to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll
5: be right back.
0: to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about Tony's Workshop Essentials. Yes. He's converting a shed in his backyard, much similar to this one, really. Yeah. We had uh, this shed here. We converted to our Weekend Warriors Workshop. And uh, we insulated it, we sheetrocked it, we finished it off. And uh, you need to do the same thing to your wood wood shop. My wood shop. Yeah. To convert it to a uh, a workshop. Yeah. So, uh, but we've been talking a little bit about you know insulating it, finishing off the interior. I suggested finishing it off with like plywood or OSB on the inside. Yeah. uh, To make it you know really rugged.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely was concerned moderately about having good light in there, and white sheetrock a lot of times you know reflects light and makes it seem like a lighter space, or maybe it makes it a lighter space. Um, but um, I, I get the the durability of a plywood sheeting on the walls. Well, and or, you can always or paint or the plywood white. Yeah, I don't love you know, the sheetrock look of rock painted comes white, but wafer board, but why? I don't know. It's personal preference i guess well they get plywood Uh, yeah i don't anyway yeah so that's something right durable sheeting on the walls is uh makes more sense really than sheetrock in my opinion i'm on your side you don't have to argue with me about that well you're arguing with me (laughs) (laughs) so we got the we got insulated walls and ceiling and then uh we sheeted it on the walls and the ceiling we added outlets of course because you want to have an outlet every two feet if you're Corey Valdez. Um, every four feet maybe if you're somebody like me. You need but, a lot uh, of outlets. Outlets, as many outlets as possible, makes perfect sense. Fewer extension cords, more direct plugged outlets. You know, using extension cords for long periods of time is, is not a good idea. And you may have to consult with your electrician. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have enough juice
1: running out there, uh, especially if you, you know, depending on the type of stuff that you're going to be doing, if you've got a pretty heavy-duty table saw that runs on 240
2: you're definitely going to have to have an electrician come over and run some extra stuff out there. Yeah. So we were also talking about the tools that are going to be needed in there, the essential tools. And we covered a lot of things. Um, We didn't talk about a router. Now I haven't. That was the next thing on my list. I don't have a lot of experience using a router. Um, I don't really know the difference between a regular router and a plunge router. We can talk a little bit about that, but I feel like if the routers that I have used have been table mounted routers I really am into the whole table-mounted thing. Can you mount any router or do you have to buy a table-mounted router if you want it that way? No, most
1: table-mounted routers, I mean, you can buy kits that will convert your router to a table-mounted router. Um, They range in all sorts of prices, depending on, you know, if you want to be able to adjust the depth of that router Uh, from above the table or from below the table, Uh, if you have to take it out and manually adjust it and then put it back down into its table. But typically what you'll have is a work surface uh, with uh, some sort of fence on it. And then the router itself fits in uh, onto a plate and that whole plate drops down flush with that table. Well, really expensive, fancy router tables will have uh, that that piece that the uh, router fits into, you will be able to adjust the height because depending on the bit, if you have to change out the bit and you got to take the whole router out to change the bit, that mm-hmm. takes a lot of time and people don't want to do that. Right. They want to do that from the top. So real nice ones will be, you'll be able to adjust it from the top. You'll be able to change the router bits from the top and not have to disassemble the whole thing to do that. Uh, really inexpensive versions to get the job done. Yes, you can get them uh, where you just pop the thing out, you take the thing out, you take the router out, you take the
2: bit out, you know, and all those things you have to do it and then you have to reassemble it. I just feel like it's a lot easier to be able to have both of your hands on your material and have the tool that you're working with be stationary. Well, you're absolutely right.
1: I I have a router table
2: um, and I have
1: a, a regular router. I have a plunge router. Um, they all serve their own purposes depending on what you're doing. Uh, If you're cutting in dovetails with a dovetail jig, you can't really do that on a router table. You're going to do that on its own standalone device with, you know, your individual router in your hands. Uh but yeah, a table mounted router will handle like for a lot of the things that you do, the the craft type items would be perfect. You know, they're they're in your hand. But if you're doing larger pieces that you need to Take the router to it to cut that profile on that piece of wood.
2: You know, the hand-mounted D-handled router is the way to go. That brings me to my next thing that I know I need to. Uh, I need to ramp up. I do not have a lot of clamps. I have really only a small handful of clamps. Clamps. A few, a few small quick clamps and a few short bar clamps. But I really have even just recently had the need for four foot. Pony clamps, which, of course, I had to borrow from you. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yes, clamps are a necessity. You have a plethora. The more, the better. You have a plethora of clamps. You have so many clamps. That uh, and, and I don't even know if they've all been used. You have so many clamps. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I definitely need to ramp up my my clamp game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm way behind on clamps.
1: Well, you know, in, clamps can be expensive, but like you said, the pony clamps, the, they use a piece of galvanized pipe. Those are pretty slick and they work pretty well. And you, the nice part about them is if you need them longer, you get a longer piece of pipe. Yeah. You know, you just run down to the hardware store and you buy a six foot piece or an eight foot piece or whatever you need. They're pretty nice.
2: Yeah. And they work really well. They do work good. That that uh, brings me to the next thing, probably the mother of all clamps, which is something that I do not own. And that is a vice grip. A vice, a vice, not a vice grip. I a have, vice. I have some vice A bench grips. vice. <laughs> a bench vice. Yeah, I do not have that. Do you use your bench vice? I
1: do. Um, I use it for different things, though. Uh, probably what you would want would be a wood bench vise. Uh they there's different ways to get that done. Uh they have them that fit on the side of your workbench. Like if you build a workbench, mm-hmm. uh they have them that bolt to the inside and then extend through with say another piece of wood. So essentially you're clamping piece of wood to piece of wood and then as you tighten it up, you know, and that piece of wood is replaceable of course. Uh, and so that that's a really nice way to go on a workbench like that. Uh, especially if you're clamping wood, because a, a typical cast iron, you know, or steel workbench uh, vise is going to be pretty harsh on whatever you clamp into it. Yeah, you know, I'll use that thing for grinding an edge on my lawnmower blade. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll lock it
2: in my vise. Yeah. So here's something else that you, when it comes to drilling or screwing, right, with a with a gun, um, you have so many, so many drills and, and sc- screwdrivers and that sort of thing. Um, but you have an impactor, which is seems to be your go-to tool. If you're driving a screw or tightening a nut or whatever it is that you're doing, you seem to go to the impactor. And I think that I have only just recently realized the absolute beauty of an impactor because when you squeeze the trigger of a screwdriver or a drill, right? And it's a variable speed but it's at the top end of variable speed. When you put a bit into your impactor and drive a screw, it just turns it a little tiny bit at a time and it's easier to not overdrive. Do you feel like that is like it's number one selling point?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you uh, drove the screw right on the head. That was <laughs> nice. The, uh, but no, yeah, they uh, they make it super easy to drive any screw. And I, I, I go, that's my go-to because it is so easy. You don't strip out as easily, uh,
2: the, your bit. Right. Uh, so that's, it's kind of loud to use. It is. But it really seems to get it done. And, uh, and there's a lot less stripping, like you said. Of well, but screw. I, I have both. I have a, an impactor and I have a drill driver and I actually
1: have a corded drill driver, uh, or screw gun, uh, because the, they all have their purposes. Uh, if you, you don't really want to drill holes with an impactor. Right. You don't. You, well, it's you can. It's just not
2: very... Right. And then, of course, the corded, easy, half-inch chuck drill, right, for the those big jobs when you've got to bore a big hole or something like that. Yep. More tool essentials when we get back to the San Antonio Go. Away.
1: There's a reason Fortress Railing Products is one of the strongest brands in the railing industry. From commercial, code-tested products to diverse residential styles, Fortress Railing Products is a category creator with a complete line of railing solutions to turn your outdoor space into a living place.
2: Fortress is committed to a higher standard for quality, strength, innovation, versatility, and ease of installation, which means you get a beautiful railing system that stands up to your busy life. Whether you're looking for iron, aluminum, or cable rail, we have the right solution for your outdoor living space. And installation is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your pre-welded,
1: pre-assembled panel. Two, choose your post and bracket. And three, select your
2: personalization options. Fortress, products that inspire, Designs that liberate.
4: For a look that reflects your style, choose Marvin Windows and Doors. They'll enhance the essence of a room and the character of a home. Beautifully crafted with the most extensive selection of customizable options, it's easy to complement your vision. Marvin Windows and Doors are sold only at independent dealers who understand your home is more than your address. It's a feeling you create in a place that holds your dreams. Marvin Windows and Doors, built around you.
5: Find exceptional service and inspiration at Parr Design Center, your local Marvin dealer. Start your project with a trip to their Aloha location, where Parr Design Center's experts can help you find easy and stylish replacement solutions for your next remodeling project. Family owned and operated since 1930, go where the builders go, Parr Design Center. Call PAR Design Center at 503 614 2655 or visit online at PAR.com. That's P A R R.com.
1: Preparing your home for winter weather is an easy task for weekend warriors when you have
2: the right tools. Small leaks in doors, windows, and siding can create big problems down the road so make inspection of these areas a part of your annual home maintenance plan. Caulking that is cracked, peeling, or pulling away from your trim can be cut and
1: replaced with OSI Quad Advanced Formula Window, Door, and Siding Sealant.
2: Designed for superior performance on exterior window, door, siding, and trim applications, OSI Quad can be applied to wet or dry surfaces and even at freezing
1: temperatures. Unlike other sealants, Quad resists dirt and dust collection, yellowing, and water washout. Quad is self-tooling, available in a variety of colors and
2: once cured is paintable. To learn more about OSI Quad, visit OSIpro.com.
3: Whether you're building a new home, remodeling an old home or re-envisioning your backyard space, if you've got a project, go to Par Lumber for decks, fencing, kitchens, windows,
1: doors and more. Par Lumber, your neighborhood building and home improvement experts. For true rain screen protection under your exterior siding, not much compares to the
2: unique three-dimensional matrix of home slicker. Home Slicker provides a continuous space for drainage and drying, a thermal break, and pressure equalization, eliminating the threat
1: of trapped moisture. Home Slicker is easy to install, ventilates the entire wall surface, can be used behind stone, stucco, and lap siding, saves time and labor costs, and even offers a 50 year warranty. To learn more about Home Slicker, visit benjaminobdyke.com.
3: At PAR, we're more than just lumber because we know people want more than just lumber. That's why we sell grills, sealers, Stains, wheelbarrows, rags, bags, extension cords, shop lights, saws, blades, ladders, and, oh yeah, Yeti coolers and Yeti thermoses.
2: Visit your local Par Lumber and find any one of the many, many things that we sell every single day.
0: You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Tony and Corey.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for staying with us. If you haven't already, go check us out on our social media. Uh, just go to our website at par.com, That's P A R R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link, or you can go to www.homeshow.com. Uh, Tony and I are video recording this uh, show now, so yeah. you can get those on YouTube. And uh, we'll be uh, recording all kinds of shows this year on doing some, you know, how to how to video. So click on that link. Yeah, and uh, give us your questions or comments at weekendwarriorsatpar.com. Yep, absolutely love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. So today on the show we're talking about Tony's workshop essentials. He's building a workshop in his backyard, taking an old shed and converting it. And uh, we were kind of talking about getting that thing ready, building the workbench, uh, doing all that stuff. But we've been Talking about tools, all the tools that Tony's going to need to fill that yeah. thing. So far, you've got a table saw, a chop saw, an uh, outfeed table, some mobile bases to move that around. Your wish list includes a planer, yeah. a joiner, mm-hmm. and a, a router, router. Yep. Uh, a sanding table. We talked a little bit about that. Drills. I like my impact drill. I like my drill driver. And I also like my corded drills uh, for those heavy-duty applications. Yeah. Um, Another thing that you probably need that I have that I
2: love I use it all the time is my jigsaw. Yeah. I do actually have a jigsaw. I've got a, a I've got a Skill brand. It's, it's an inexpensive one, but it ha- does a, a great job everything that I've needed it to do. Of course, you have to have multiple blades. You got to have a a super coarse blade and then a a finer blade for getting those really nice cuts, but I like that um um uh, I, I again, I really need to have some more clamps because I haven't got enough clamps to clamp everything that I want to do when I'm holding a tool in my hand, like a router or a jigsaw. Mm-hmm. But um, you know what would be super awesome would be a scroll saw. Man, you can get a lot done with a scroll saw. I feel like a lot faster than with a jigsaw, and you can get a little a tighter little turn in that little skinny blade that they've got. Yeah, you're pretty limited
1: on the size. You know, depending on the size of the scroll saw you have, but probably for those smaller projects where you'd need to cut fine little woodwork. Yeah. You know, intarsia.
2: Yeah, I haven't done a lot of scrolling. I've done a little bit, but um, I think that I would be able to employ a scroll saw if I had one. You'd probably do more swiping than scrolling. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For Uh, sure. You know,
1: another thing you probably would need is an air compressor. Yes. I use my nail guns all the time. I use my air compressor. I have a big one. It's got a, it's a 20 gallon tank. And uh, I use that with the air blower attachment on there mm-hmm. to clean off surfaces or, you know, to de-dust a lot of the tools that I'm working on instead of using like tack cloth mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, use that first to get a majority of that dust away. It's super handy.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what. I've got a little air compressor that I use with my Brad nailer and uh, and micro pinner. Uh, that I tell you what, that is the easiest way to put things together. It's, it's uh, trying to drive... A finished nail with a gun, man, those days are gone. <laughs> I mean, the Brad nailer really does such a great job. Oh, yeah. Job.
1: Well, we should probably talk real quick about the difference between a Brad nail, a finished nail, and a micro pinner. Yeah. Because sure. I feel like you need all three. You know, a finished nail is going to be quite a bit bigger uh, gauge. Yeah, like 15 or 16 yeah, gauge. Yeah, 15 gauge so that you can get them in angled or straight. Uh, but they're, yeah, they're just really big. You can get them up to like got, two and a half inches. It's got a bit of a head on it. Yeah, yep. That's going to be holding in, that's going to have a lot of holding power.
2: Yeah, like finish trim on the wall or something like that. Yeah.
1: Uh, your brad nailer is quite a bit smaller gauge. You're probably closer to like 18 gauge. Yep, that's right. And those are going to hold, you know, smaller items. You know, if you're doing very fine woodworking, you can hold those together uh, with a brad nailer.
2: Yeah, you can get from like inch up to two and a half inches probably
1: yeah in a micro pinner, those things are tiny. You can't even see them a lot of the times the the, the gauge on those are like twenty five or something yeah, yeah twenty three yeah. or twenty five gauge they're so tiny, yeah that when you shoot them in, you hardly even have to fill the nail holes. They are so tiny, yeah, obviously you would use that for situations where you know you're they, they don't have a ton of holding power mm-hmm. so I feel like you need all three. I actually don't have a micro pinner. So Yeah. Well, I don't either. Christmas gift idea. Yeah. Comment right there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I might buy two. Uh, you know what I did recently get, which I absolutely love thanks to you because you showed me the value of it is uh, is a, a small battery operated blower. Just an air blower. I know, it seems silly. Everybody looks at that tool and they're like, That's dumb. Yeah. And I'm it's like, no. Not. It It is not. It is so not, it's absolutely awesome. It gives you the opportunity to very easily move all of the material off like sawdust and those types of things off of your tools quickly to the ground, right? Where then it can be swept or vacuumed easily. Instead of trying to vacuum off all of your tool, you can just stand back with a blower Blow all that stuff off and then and then when you're all done, blow yourself off. Get yeah. all of that stuff yeah. off of your clothes and not track it in the house. When it's
1: lunchtime and we gotta go jump in the truck. I don't want sawdust everywhere. Yeah. You take that thing, you just hit your you hit your shirt and your pants and your hair and yeah. get all that sawdust off. They're fantastic. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Highly cool. recommend it's that. It's
2: a tool. great tool. I absolutely love having it. Other than Tony, that is my favorite tool. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Of course, we didn't talk about some of the super simple things that you've got to have. You do need to have a hammer, not a hammer with a waffle face, but a smooth head hammer for uh, all of those applications for, you know, that you need to just hit it a little harder.
1: Yeah, those are, there's tons of different types of hammers. Like you said, the waffle face, it's called a mill face hammer. You typically see that on a framing hammer. Right. Uh, What you're going to want most of the time inside of a workshop is you know a uh, a smooth face hammer yeah i'd also recommend getting a dead blow hammer uh what that is is a lot of times they're made out of say nylon and they have like little metal bbs inside the end of the hammer so when you hit the surface it doesn't want to bounce mm-hmm. it, it's a dead blow nice uh, that's great for uh, putting together pieces of wood uh, like in dovetails they're really nice to be able to just hit it hard and it you know, doesn't so they don't bounce it doesn't leave a dent also yeah, and they're
2: kind of non-marring yeah yeah those work really good
1: the other thing you probably might want is a uh a rubber mallet uh that's great for certain certain applications um what else you, you know you see any other hammers you might
2: want no, I mean I think you've mentioned all that. Thor's hammer. I mean, I could use Thor's <laughs> hammer. Yeah, if I if I had Thor's hammer, I would uh I would definitely that would change things for me. That'd be But there's a lot of other little tiny things that you need to fill all those drawers with. We got to have drill bits. There's got to be uh, driver bits, right? I mean, there's so many different you can't have and enough. torques and common slot and um, Allen style. I mean, all these little bits. You've got so many sets of bits. I know you're making fun of my all of my bits. I feel like you should reduce your stock of bits by a few sets, and um, just let me just take those. Not a chance. They're just they're just. You don't have enough space for all. Whenever that stuff. I
1: see them on sale, I just buy one or two boxes. Yeah. <laughs> no joke. You have
2: got a lot of bit sets. They're great. They're great. Um, and then sandpaper. I mean, you you need to have heavy coarse sandpaper. We used some 80 grit the other day. Uh, to just knock the corners down on some rough wood, right? Take it down really, really quick. And, uh, but you also need to have high grit 220 or 320 uh, to really finish off. After you have painted something, you've, you've got a finished surface, right? And you've painted it down, you put two coats of paint on it. And then it's got those little paint strokes in there. And you want to get that stuff out, hit that with 320. Take that thing, not so that it goes through the final coat, but it takes that down super smooth, like glass. I mean, yeah,
1: typically you want to sand in levels, right? You want to start out with your heart, heavy grit. You want to work your way down to the finer grits. But uh, one thing I was going to say when you said sandpaper, I always recommend having and organizing your levels of sandpaper and the different types. So I always like to say, like to have square sheets, mm-hmm. just regular square sheets that will fit into my hand block sander. Little rubber. Yeah, the really block. Rub- rubber hand block sanding block. Love having one of those and having a like a variety of different sandpapers for that. But I also like to have a
2: stack of each grit for my uh, orbital sander. Yeah. Yeah. Those, whether it's Velcro or adhesive, whichever it is that works with the sand that you've got, you should definitely have um, a good assortment of the sandpaper because you definitely don't want to get to the end of a project and realize you don't have the equipment that you need to get it finished.
1: Oh, yeah, because you know that you're going to want to start with the heavier grits and work your way down. Yeah, And nothing is more frustrating than going to your, you know, your supply box of sandpaper and finding that you only have 320 in there. (laughs) You (laughs) You know, sometimes I like to throw 120
2: grit on there, go to town, and then work my way down. Yeah, I've been working on a project and got to the point where I needed 320. I needed 320, but the best I had was 180. And I thought, well, I guess it's just going to have to do. But ultimately, in the end, you're just not happy with the result if you didn't get it all the way down to as finished, finished as you wanted it to be. Yeah, I buy it at bulk. Do, yeah, <laughs> I know. I need you to share some of that with me. So I can have some some of your bulk sandpaper. You know, Tony, one of the other things that we forgot that What's you're going to need. What's that? Tape measure. Oh, yeah, tape measure. Well, well Measure twice. Fortunately for me, I work for Par Lumber Company, and there's one thing I'm never without, and it's tape measure. All right, Tony, we're run out of time. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.